This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime at our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m. or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m. or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. I just like to read you the words to it. You could probably sing it, but it goes like this. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty. And what does liberty mean? Freedom. My country, tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrim's pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. You know, and uh, what I want to challenge you is that freedom is not always the same in everybody's mind. And what I want to do right now, I'd like us to look at some scriptures that we have probably looked at these scriptures together in this past year at some point in time. But I want us to look at these scriptures as if it was for the very first time. Listen to what it says here in Psalms 119 verse 45. And it says, I will walk in freedom. I mean, this is a declaration, if you would. This is a confession, if you would. It's something that we can say and, and we can do. It says, I will walk in freedom. And, and freedom does not mean that there are no boundaries. There are always boundaries and borders, you know, in our free nation, and the freedoms that we have, there are always boundaries. But he says here in Psalms 119 verse 45, I will walk in freedom. For I have devoted myself to your commandments. I have devoted myself to your boundaries. I have devoted myself to your guidelines. I will walk in freedom, for I have devoted myself to your commandments, and we shall walk in freedom, the freedom that Almighty God has provided for us. And then in Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, verse 7, it says, be strong and very courageous, be careful to obey all. Now, what percentage is all? 100%. Be careful to obey all the instructions that Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning neither to the right or to the left. And and he tells us here, if we obey these instructions, it says, then, not before, but then you will be successful. How many of y'all like the idea of being successful in whatever you put your hand to? And then you will be successful in everything. What percentage is everything? 100%. Then you will be successful in everything that you do. If you stay within God's boundaries, he says, then you will be successful in everything you do. And then he goes on to say in verse 8, he says, study this book. And, and I like the, the way he defines it there, this book of instructions. 
This, this book of guidelines, this book of boundaries. Boundaries are not a bad thing, you know. And, and you like to stay within those boundaries. He said, study this book of instruction uh, on holidays. Oh, wait a minute. What does it say? Study this book of instruction. Oh, continually. Study it continually. Meditate on it day and night. Ponder it. So you will be sure to obey everything. What percentage is that again? If, if, if you'll study this and you can meditate upon it, and I'll tell you something about meditation. Biblical meditation, when you meditate on God's word, it causes God's word to come alive to you. And you can apply it. Well, when it's rhema, not just logos, just black ink on white paper, but it becomes living. The living word is power-filled word. Study this book of instructions continually and then meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. What's the next word? Only then will you prosper and succeed. And what's that next word? What percentage is all? Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And you'll stay free. Now, this is God's word. He says, only then you go, well, how come I'm not prospering? And how come I'm not succeeding? And have we been meditating upon God's word? And we've been studying it. Have, have we been applying this to our lives a day and night? He says, only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Have you ever been in bondage? There's all kinds of things that put us in bondage. It steals our freedom. We're no longer free. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. I, I want to talk about being free in, in multiple different ways that we can be free. But if you have ever been in bondage, you desired freedom. Didn't you? Absolutely. Regardless of what kind of bondage it was, you wanted to be free. And there are many different kinds of bondage in this old world in which we live. And a lot of the bondages are a lot more obvious. Some of them are not as obvious as others are. Now, interesting, the average age of the world's greatest civilizations has been 200 years. This is the average age of the world's greatest civilizations. How long? 200 years. And those nations progressed through this sequence. From bondage to spiritual faith. From spiritual faith to great courage. From courage to liberty, freedom. From liberty to an abundance. From abundance to selfishness. From selfishness to complacency. And from complacency to apathy, just indifference. From apathy to dependency. And from dependency back again into bondage. And it usually takes about 200 years for that to happen to a nation. 
And there's a cycle. And if you'll study it out, you've seen this cycle repeat itself over and over and over. And I wonder where we are at as a nation. Think about that for a moment. God, who gave us life, gave us liberty. Hmm. Can the liberty of a nation be secure when we have removed the conviction that these liberties are a gift from God? So said Thomas Jefferson. He said, God who gave us life gave us liberty. Can the liberty of a nation be secure? So says Thomas Jefferson. When we have removed the conviction that these liberties are the gift of God. When we forget who gave us these liberties, we have no longer convictions in God's promises in his word and in him. Can we maintain liberty? That was a question that Thomas Jefferson asked. In 1976, the United States was 200 years old. Does anybody remember that? I do. That means we're old if we remember that, I think, all right? Anyhow, in 1976, the United States was 200 years old. The above cycle that we just read is not inevitable. It depends on every one of us and on our children and their children to see that we do not follow that cycle. You have to ask that question of yourself. As a nation, are we following that cycle? The demand for absolute liberty brings men into the depths of slavery. Absolute liberty. I want to be free, that I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want to do it. I want that freedom. It brings us into the depths of slavery. Things often steal our freedom from us. You know, our possessions can steal our freedom from us. And Everything that the devil ever offers us, you know, it has a big hook in it. It has chains on it. Anything that the devil would offer us to enslave us. That's what he'd like to do. Luke chapter 12, verse 15 says, and then he said, this is talking about Jesus. Then Jesus said, beware. Don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much we own. Now, sin is self-centeredness. So my focus is all about me. The world revolves around me. Self-centeredness. That's what sin is. And self-centeredness will imprison us in a dark little dungeon of our own ego. It's all about me. That's what sin and, you know, uh, self-centeredness is. Now, God's way is to, to love him with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And then to love our neighbors as ourself. And that's not self-centered. That's Christ-centeredness. When you love God with all that there is in you, and then you love your neighbor as yourself, that's Christ-centeredness. Now, Christ promises to make men free. And he never promises to make us independent. Now, we celebrate today, you know, our independence. We remember the declaration of independence, that we are independent of a tyrannical government. 
That's what we remember. But see, God does not promise to make us independent. To be honest with you, our freedom is linked to our dependence upon him. When you depend upon almighty God, that's where you have freedom. That's where you have freedom. Some people seek, I want to be independent. I don't want nobody to tell me nothing ever. I just want to do whatever I jolly well please. And that is the heartbeat of that cycle that brings us back into bondage. It is that vicious cycle. Many regard freedom as something separate from any form of discipline. When, in fact, freedom is often the final reward of discipline, isn't it? Ever watch men and women in the Olympics? You know, whether they're ice skating, you know, those races, or throwing a shock put, or playing soccer out there on the field, and dozens and dozens of sports and races and bicycles, and the crazy things that people have spent so much of their time, they've spent years and hours of training and training and discipline in themselves so they can win the gold at the Olympics, you know. And freedom is often found as that final reward of discipline. The apostle Paul said, I discipline, 1 Corinthians 9.27 uh, says, I discipline my body, I discipline my body. How many of y'all ever discipline your body? Three people. Woo. <laughs> probably shouldn't ask that question here. Oh, you were probably just daydreaming. How many people ever discipline your body at all? Okay. Twelve people. All right, that's better. And I'm sure there's hundreds of men and women who are joining us online, and they got their hands up as well. Hey, I'm teasing you guys. But he says, Paul says, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should do, and not what it just wants to do, because sometimes our body wants to do things it shouldn't do. Does your body ever want to do things it shouldn't do? Yes. Wants to eat a diet that you shouldn't eat? It wants to stay in bed longer than you should stay? There's all kinds of things our body wants to do, but Paul said, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. That's what Apostle Paul said. There's boundaries and there are guidelines to the freedom that Almighty God promises to us. And, you know, many times the Israelites, as you study the Old Testament there, they would gladly have exchanged their freedom the, the disciplines that brought freedom to, to them, the, the boundaries and the guidelines that God gave them when they were leaving the bondage of Egypt and coming into the promised land. But you'll hear them say this every once in a while that, oh, oh, let's go back to Egypt. Oh, they had garlics and leeks and all that was there. And, oh, I miss the garlics and leeks and all this. Now, let's just go on back to Egypt. They forgot. They were slaves. They were being beaten to death and worked to death. But they go, oh, yeah, uh, we are here. And it's a, a tough, uh, you know, traveling like this. And God has given us food every day of our lives. But we want to go back to the way it was, you know. 
You look at these Israelites and that's what they would say. They preferred slavery. You know, opposed to the disciplines of freedom. Men are free to soar into the heavens because they're willing to confine themselves in a tiny capsule designed and produced by highly trained scientists and craftsmen. Astronauts must meticulously follow instructions and submit themselves to rules which others have defined. You know, in the early 1988, Charles, let's see here, Charles and uh, Diana, Prince and Princess of Wales, and some of their friends took a skiing trip to Switzerland. The shocking news came one afternoon of a terrible accident caused by an avalanche in which one of the prince's lifelong friends was killed and another was seriously injured. It seemed sheer chance that the prince himself was not killed or hurt. How did it happen? And a day or two later, the press reported that the prince's group had chosen to ski out on slopes that were closed to the public. The avalanche warnings had been posted everywhere. Do not enter. Avalanche zone. But they had chosen to go beyond the fences because as one of them observed, that's where the optimum fun and excitement were to be found. Beyond the fences that they had been put up. They found a brand of pleasure that was indeed more than attractive. But it went beyond the margins of what was wise and prudent. And the avalanche exacted its price among those who went beyond the fences. The result, several broken worlds because of that. Resist the curiosity that tempts us beyond the fences that God has set for our safety. God has given us boundaries for our safety to protect us from avalanches and things like that. Resist that curiosity that, that tempts us beyond the fences that God has set for our safety. Perhaps some become curious to see just how far they can sneak away from God and not suffer any consequences. Kind of a risky game to play. You know, now Satan tried to soar beyond those fences that God had set up. Listen to what it says here in Isaiah 14, verse 12. It says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, this is talking about the devil, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. And we know what happened to him. He was cast down to the earth. He was not able to go beyond the boundaries that God set. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to control things. He wanted the freedom to do what he wanted to do, when he wanted to do it, and however he wanted to do it. Now see, it's one thing to soar high in order that you might be close to God. I can understand that. I want to be as close to God as I can be. 
But there's another thing when you want to be greater than God. You kind of push God around and tell God what to do, you know. And see, prayer is not telling God what to do, but prayer is asking God to fulfill his promises that he's given unto us. That's what it's all about. Many today are notoriously careless in their living. This attitude finds its way into the church. We have liberty. We have money. We live in comparative luxuries. And as a result, discipline practically has disappeared. Now you think about this for a moment. What would a solo sound like? Well, let me just demonstrate. Is it okay if I can sing you guys a song this morning? Okay. Yeah, play a chord here. It's probably because I don't have a strap. Y'all sure y'all want me to play you a song? You know, it really hurts my feelings. You know that, right? Well, the thing of it is, all these strings here, they have been undisciplined. At one point, they were in tune. But now they're just all doing their own thing. They're just hanging loose, you know. And they're not in harmony with each other at all. And a soul of that is in discord with everything else around it, it don't sound so good, does it? I don't like it either, to be honest with you. But it's because those strings are just hanging loose, just doing what each one wants to do. They're not in harmony with each other. They don't like to be told that they have to be in tune here and have that, that uh, you know, that little bit of discipline to them. They have just that right tune. Oh, that'd be much beautiful or if that was the case. But see, a solo, it's quite unattractive when there's no discipline to it at all. Anyhow, freedom does not mean I'm able to do whatever I want to do. You know, if you fly on an airplane, you know, you, you must follow the rules of flying. You, you've got, if you're going to fly an airplane, you've got to follow the rules and the boundaries that are set for airplanes. And one thing I know, but anytime you fly, no matter how old of a pilot you become, you always go through a checklist. You know, if you have your own plane, you check the tires and the prop and the fuel, and you've got this long checklist, and you go through it every time you fly your airplane. You're supposed to do so, anyhow. Uh, Freedom means I have been set free to become all that God wants me to be, to achieve all that God wants me to achieve, to enjoy all that God wants me to enjoy. Galatians chapter 5 verse 13 says, It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Did you know that you can use your freedom to destroy your freedom? You can, and there's a lot of people who actually do that. Well, I'm free to do whatever I jolly well please, and if it hurts me, that's my business, not yours. You know? That's what they would say. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another. This is what the Bible says. Serve one another in love. That's how Freedom does what? That's how 
Freedom grows when you serve one another with your freedom. And let your freedom continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. And that your freedom does not take away your freedom. A uh, contradiction of the Revolutionary War was men who risked their lives and they fought hard to enjoy freedom in what became the United States. These very men who fought for freedom endorsed slavery and they owned slaves. So when you find freedom, you need to offer that freedom to others and you need to let freedom grow. And your freedom serves other people. Not your freedom ignores everybody on the planet. It's all about me. But your freedom, according to God, our freedom, it serves other people. We love our neighbors, ourselves. Verse 14 says, For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. An act of true freedom freedom is to love others as you love yourself. But people nowadays, they want to have the freedom to where I can impose anything I want to on you. It's all about me, you know. And where the Bible says here, love others as you love yourself. That is an act of true freedom. First Peter chapter 2.16 in the Message Bible, it says, Exercise your freedom by serving God. Exercise your freedom by serving God, not by breaking the rules. There are rules to freedom. There are boundaries to freedom. When you think about it, he says in verse 17, treat everyone you meet with dignity. Love your spiritual family. Revere God. And even says respect the government and pray for them. That's what he tells us to do there. You know, Galatians chapter five, verse one says, so Christ has really set us free. Now make sure that you stay free just because you get free. Does that mean you can always be free? Let's just say if, if someone went to jail and then they finally got out, does that mean they'll never go back? It don't mean that. And because we find freedom, it doesn't mean we're going to stay free. The, the scripture tells us, stand fast in that liberty, that freedom, where Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yokes of bondage. And he says, brethren, I've given you liberty, not for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another with the liberty and the freedom that Christ has given to us. Listen to what it says. Well, let me make this statement first. We find freedom when we find God. Freedom from sin and all the consequences of sin. And we lose freedom when we lose God in our life. And there's all kinds of things will come upon us and, and imprison us and make our life really miserable. John chapter 8, verse 36, in the Message Bible, it says, So if the Son, so much the Son of God, Jesus, so if the Son sets you free, you are free through and through. And the King James Bible says, If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. 
You're, you're free through and through when Jesus sets you free. Romans chapter 6, verse 15 says, So since we are out, since, so since we're out from under the old tyranny, that cruel dictatorship of sin and death, he says, since we're out from under the old tyranny, does that mean we can live any old way we want? Because we are no longer controlled by sin. So we can just do whatever we want because we've been forgiven. We're free and we can do anything we want. Is that true? It's not true. He goes on to say here in verse 15, since we're free in the freedom of God, can we do anything that comes to mind? No, that's a question there. Verse 6 says, hardly, you know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Are you free to go into a movie theater and scream, fire! It's happened before. And people died, they were trampled to death because somebody was just a prank. Screamed fire in a movie theater. And everybody was stomping all over each other to try to get out of the place. Do we have that freedom? Well, I can go holler fire anytime I want to. We do not have such freedom. It's not loving one another. That's for sure, you know. We don't have the freedom to hurt other people. There's some people in our nation that think, well, I have the freedom to do whatever I want. I can hurt anybody anytime I want to. And it don't matter how old or how young they are. That's not the freedom that Almighty God gives us. Not at all. Anyhow, we don't have the freedom to, to steal and we don't have the freedom to drive reckless. Do you have the freedom to drive 100 miles an hour in a 45 mile an hour speed zone? No, because you will forfeit your freedom. You hurt other people and you can forfeit your freedom forever and be locked up and imprisoned. But see, there are, are boundaries and they're not bad things. The boundaries are guidelines to help us maintain freedom in, in our nation. But there's wonderful, powerful freedoms that almighty God has given unto us. And we don't enjoy freedom without boundaries, just to be honest with you. A speed limit allows you to have the freedom to drive anywhere you want to. In this United States of America, you can drive there and you just... Follow the boundaries. And I venture to say some of you are faster than the boundaries and there's been a little grace here and you didn't get locked up and in prison because of it, right? Anybody ever ever speed? I think they're taking pictures of your hands here. <laughs> I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Okay. All right. Let's think about that though. Um, let me read that last verse, verse 16. Hardly you know well enough from your own experience that there are some acts of so-called freedom that destroy freedom. Offer yourselves to sin, for instance, and it's your last free act. You forfeit your freedom. But offer yourselves to the ways of God and the freedom never quits. All your lives you've let sin tell you what to do. No more. But thank God you've started listening to a new master. His name is Jesus. 
One who, one whose command, whose command sets you free to live openly in his freedom. Jesus has come to set us free. The important thing about a, a man is, is not where he goes when he is compelled to go somewhere, but the important thing is where he goes when he is free to go wherever he will. Oh, yeah, you tell me to do this, I do that, you tell me to do that, I do that. But it's like, okay, now you're free to do whatever you want to. Now that's really telling about you and your heart. Where do you go when you have the freedom to go anywhere you want? Is it a positive thing or is it an imprisoning thing? The Bible says we are free moral agents. We are free moral agents and we can make our choices, good or bad. C.S. Lewis once said, without free will, man would not be created in the image of God. With it, he has the power. With a free will, he has the power to defy God's wishes and to bring misery on himself and others. We have a choice. Do not use your freedom to put yourself in bondage. Christ gives us this wonderful freedom. Let me pick back up at verse 19. It says, I'm using this freedom language because it's easy to picture. You can readily recall, can't you, how at one time the more you did just what you felt like doing, not caring about others, not caring about God, the worse your life became and the less freedom you had. You forfeited freedom by living a life like that. And now much different is it now as you live in God's freedom, your lives healed and expansive in holiness and godliness is what he's talking about here. William Penn, you know about Pennsylvania, you know, that's what William Penn was the founder of that, you know. Anyhow, William Penn, he said, men must be governed by God or they will be ruled by tyrants. And a lot of people don't want to be governed by God. They want to act like God. And they want to dictate whatever it is they want to dictate. They want the freedom to do whatever they jolly well please. Anyhow, William Penn made the statement, men must be governed by God or they will be ruled by tyrants. Let's pick back up in verse 20 here. It says, as long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. But do you call that a free life? What did you get out of it? Nothing you're proud of now. Where did it get you? A dead end? Have you ever went down a dead end street? Have you ever been pulling a great big long camper and gone down the dead end street? <laughs> well, I can tell you personally, it ain't easy to get out of there. But I can tell you the only way to get out, you don't fly helicopters and machinery in to build your road out the other end of it. You've got to do what? Turn around. You know what the word repent means? Turn around. Change your directions. Anyhow, verse 21 says, but do you call that a free life? What do you get out of it? Nothing you're proud of now. When did you... 
Where did he get you? A dead end. Verse 22 says, but now that you found you don't have to listen to sin, tell you what to do. And you have discovered the delight of listening to God tell you what to do. What a surprise. A whole, healed, put together life right now. What more with more and more of life on the way? That's what I'm talking about. That's God's way of doing things. Verse 23 says, work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus our master. So if, if you work for sin, you know, you're just going to lose all freedom that you could be having if you wanted it. Think about it. The only freedom from sin you and I have is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now you think about a robin. I don't know, if, have y'all been seeing a robins building their nest? Have I had a robin build their nest in, in your yard? I've had several robins in our yard and you watch them lay those little blue eggs and then they're pretty smart. When they get ready to fly, you know, the mama's going to go and begin to feed her babies. She takes that shell, that blue shell, and she grabs it and she flies way over yonder somewhere else and drops it. So no other critters find the egg shell on the ground and thinking, oh, there must be a, a baby robin up there somewhere. Robins are pretty smart. They really are. They usually just eat earthworms out of the ground, but I do know they love mulberries because we got a mulberry tree and they love them and they also love my blueberries, you know. And I don't love that about robins, you know. But we're willing to share a few blueberries with the robins every once in a while. But a robin is free where? In the air. He's got phenomenal freedom, you know. You, you, you place a robin in the water, he loses his freedom because the water is not his realm. Now, a trout, on the other hand, is free in the water. But if you leave him laying on the, the, the bank in the sand, he loses his freedom and he perishes. That's just the way it is because he's out of his realm. A believer is free when he lives in God's will. When you and I live in God's will, we are in the realm we were created to live in. And we have awesome, fantastic, amazing, miraculous freedoms that come to us when we live in God's will and in his realm. That's just the truth of it, you know. And you, you think about this. It's natural for a robin to, to succeed and prosper in the air. It's natural for a trout to prosper and succeed in the water. And it's supernatural for you and I to prosper and to succeed when we're living in God's will. That's what he tells us. That's what he has created for us. Now, freedom doesn't mean the absence of constraint or moral absolutes. Suppose a skydiver at 10,000 feet, he announces to the rest of his group, I'm not using a parachute this time. I want freedom. <laughs> and they do what they call a free fall. But you can only free fall for so long. Or should I say, you can only totally, completely free fall once. And then it's over with. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? 
You have boundaries that you must live by and you can experience that wonderful freedom. The fact is that a skydiver is constrained by a greater law, the law of gravity. But when the skydiver chooses a constraint of a parachute, he is free to enjoy the exhilaration. God's moral laws act the same way. They restrain, but they're absolutely necessary to enjoy the exhilaration of real freedom. James chapter 1 verse 25 says, But if you keep looking steadily into God's perfect law, the law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. For, for staying within the boundaries. God will bless you for staying within the boundaries. For, for living in the realm that he created for you. But don't forget in John 10.10. 10, Jesus tells us, he says, the thief, the devil. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Now how does Satan do that? How does he kill? How does he steal? How does he destroy by keeping you and me away from the truth. Because what does the truth do? Sets you free. It sets you free. And the devil, he despises the truth. Listen to what it says here in John chapter 8, verse 31. It says, Then Jesus said, If you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, you are my disciplined ones, indeed. And that's what a disciple is, is a person who has boundaries, who they've disciplined them for, to the guidelines that Almighty God has given us for us to succeed and for us to prosper and for us to be more and more like Jesus. Then Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall Know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now, many are thinking that they love independence. But the freedom I'm talking about is our dependence upon Almighty God and the realm he's created for us and, and the boundaries that he has created for us to keep us safe. Let me see, do I have my bag here? I almost forgot about my bag there. I'm not sure if your name is on one of these envelopes or not. Might be. A Christian attorney, after meditating on several scriptures, he decided to cancel the debts of all of his clients that had owed him money for more than six months. It's pretty cool, don't you think? He drafted a letter explaining his decision and its biblical basis, and he sent 17 debt-canceling letters via certified mail. One by one, the letters began to return, unsigned and undelivered. 16 of the 17 letters came back to him because the clients refused to sign for the letter and they refused to open the envelopes, fearing that this attorney was suing them for their debt. It was fearful. And therefore they did not know 
that they were free from their debt. They never knew about it because they refused to open it. Well, if I'm not mistaken, we owe a huge debt because of sin, don't we? And if you think about it, what God has done for us through Christ Jesus, he's canceled our debt. He paid a debt that he didn't owe. I owed a debt I couldn't pay. And I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. Many haven't opened their letter. It's called the Bible that explains that we don't have to pay that debt. It's already been paid for us. But many people haven't opened their Bible as of yet. Listen to what it says here in Hosea 4, 6. And my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. They forfeit their freedom. They have been freed. Their debt has been canceled. Somebody else paid their debt. His name was Jesus, but they don't know about it because they've not opened the book as of yet. And they're not going and living in God's realm. They're not living by the boundaries that he has set. And his boundaries are awesome. And they're fantastic. And they're wonderful. And there's no avalanches that's going to hit you when you stay within God's boundaries. That's just the truth of it, you know. John chapter 10, verse 10. Again, it says the thief. And Jesus is saying this. And that's the devil. The thief's purpose, his, the thief's intention, his, his aim is to steal, to kill, and destroy. And Jesus goes on to say, but my purpose is to give life in all of its fullness. And listen to how he says it in the Message Bible. I came so they can have real, they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. The devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. He don't want you to look at that letter because you'll discover that your debt has been canceled. And your fear will keep you from looking at the promise of Almighty God. I don't know if you remember the old spiritual that was saying at Lincoln uh, Memorial, uh, the speech that was given there in 1963 by Martin Luther King Jr. But in that speech, he said, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. That was part of his speech there. And, you know, that can be our declaration, to be honest with you, once we receive Christ Jesus as our Savior, I'm free at last. And his word becomes our, our, our counsel, and his word becomes our roadmap. Now, I did uh, hear some time ago about there was some kind of an um, astronaut mission, and when the guy was coming back into our atmosphere... They were off a weef bit, and he was supposed to land in water, you know. But he got through and all, and then he pulled his chute, and he floated over land. And he landed in somebody's backyard in this little space capsule. And he worked and worked because they didn't know where he was at at first. He worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked and worked, trying to get the thing open so he could get out. And he finally got out of his old space capsule and he was going, free, I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. And he was in a family's backyard. And a little boy came out and said, I'm four, I'm four, I'm four. <laughs> Some people don't understand freedom, <laughs> I suppose, you know. 
Anyhow, John chapter 8 verse 44 says, He, talking about the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated the... He's always hated the truth. And you know what? The truth is a key. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. The truth is a key to set you free. And the devil don't want you having the truth. He don't want you having the key that'll set you free. And it says he, the devil, was a murderer from the beginning and has always hated the truth. There is no truth in the devil. There is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar. He is a pretender. He is an imposter. He is, as the Bible says, he's an angel of light. He looks nice and bright and good, but he is a deceiver. He's only going to do what he can do to hurt you because he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And it goes on to say down here, that he hates the truth and there is no truth in him. And when he lies, it's consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. Behind every self-defeating behavior, there is a lie. Behind every self-defeating behavior, there is a lie. And behind every lie is Satan. And he wants to put you in bondage He hates truth because truth sets us free. You know, the devil is trying to get us to believe something about ourself that isn't true. The devil is trying to get us to believe something about others that isn't true. The devil is trying to get us to believe something about God that isn't uh, true. And he's always doing his best trying to get us to believe something about success or, or failure that isn't true. He's trying to get us to, to believe something about life that, that is not true. And he's trying to get us to believe something about our past that isn't true. You know, we know that God's forgiven us of our past, all of it. The devil's trying to get us to believe that it ain't true, that it's just not true. And he's trying to get us to believe something about our future that isn't true. The, the Bible tells us very clearly about our future. Uh, You know, the best is truly yet to come. That's the concept we see throughout the Bible, that we have hope, a confident expectation for the future. But the devil's trying to get us to believe stuff about our future that's not true. He's going to try to get you to believe the worst that's going on in our world right now. He's going to try to get you to believe that God just washed his hands of you and of our nation. And it's no worth not worth praying anymore because God is just fed up. The devil is trying to get us to believe things like that because he's a liar. And the Bible says he's the father of lies. Anyhow, it says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, There is, therefore, now no condemnation to them which are in, in a relationship with Christ Jesus, who are walking not after the flesh, not just living every sinful thing that you can do, but you're, you're, you're walking after the Spirit. Verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made us free from the law of sin and death. Now, there is a law. I don't fully understand how they do it, but there's a, a law of how to, to make glasses. 
and contact lenses. And, and there's laws of how they do those amazing surgeries to give you sight back. And there's boundaries that they must follow. They must grind that glass or they make it out of some kind of a lightweight plastic nowadays. But there's laws that govern that. And, and you can, you know, experience wonderful freedom from blindness. How many of you here wear glasses or contacts or something? Wow. It's the majority of us here. And I'm sure at home, there's a majority out there as well. But before we said, well, I don't want to live by the boundaries and the laws that, that govern how you can make glasses and a certain thickness and you can see this near side, far side. I don't want to live by that. I just want to be free from it all and just be blind the rest of your life and stumble and fall for the rest of your life. There are boundaries. There are boundaries and borders that God has set into motion, you know, to keep us safe and to protect us so we can succeed and we can prosper and we can become all that he wants us to and reach our full potential. And all we have to do is submit ourselves to the guidelines he gives us. And it's just like, wow, the whole world comes alive. I can see. I can see. I can see. His word is the truth, and his word sets us free. So I want to challenge you to live in freedom from this moment forward. Take this book. You shall know the truth, and it will set you free. The devil don't want you to read it, that's for sure, because he wants to keep you in bondage. He wants to kill and steal and destroy everything that's good about you. The Bible says he hates the truth because it will set you free. So let's just take the truth and just feed upon it and allow it become one with us and fill our heads and our our hearts with the truth. Learn God's way and and learn his realm. Uh, Like a fish, a trout prospers when he's in his realm, the water. And let's just become all that God wants us to be and let's enjoy the freedoms. Oh, as a nation, you know, the freedoms of a nation, other people are controlling a lot of that right now. You know, and what they can do and what they can't do and where they're going and this, that, and another. But I'm going to tell you something. We don't have to listen to the liar. You know, the devil who whispers terrible things in our ears. Did you know that you can pray? Did you know God answers prayer? He genuinely does. Let's cling to his promises and apply those to our heart. Well, what I'd like to do right now is just for us to pray to reaffirm our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. All you guys who are joining us online, all you guys who are here in the building today, let's reaffirm our faith. Or maybe you've never welcomed Christ into your life. Maybe you never understood the freedoms that he brings into your life and how he brings about a fantastic transformation. I'm talking about caterpillar or butterfly. You want to just be an old caterpillar for the rest of your life, just crawling around on the ground, you know, just in the dirt? Or do you want to experience a transformation and be that fantastic butterfly that flies wherever he wants to go. And see, we have that choice to make. So I'd like you to reaffirm your faith with me right now or declare your faith for the first time. So if you would bow your heads with me, I'd like to to pray with you. Just a very brief prayer. And Susan, if you would join me up here, I'd appreciate it. Let's pray together if we could. And I'd ask you to join me as we pray together and to pray out loud. Dear Heavenly Father. Dear Heavenly Father. 
I believe that you love me. I believe that you love me. And that's why you sent your son, Jesus. And that's why you sent your son, Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for me. I believe he died on the cross for me. And he shed his life blood. And he shed his life blood. And it washes my sins away. And it washes my sins away. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. On the third day. On the third day. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. And he's knocking at the door of my heart. I open wide that door. I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus. And I welcome Jesus. Into every area of my life. Into every area of my life. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my soon coming King. And as my soon coming King. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.